Vicky. Hey, Selena. And hey, everyone. Hey, y'all. <laughs> oh, look at you. <laughs> look, it only took us 22 episodes. <laughs> right here at the end. That's, that's why we want you to stick around. You never know what's going to come up. Right. Like a Southern accent for Nikki. <laughs> so I've been hiding it all season. All season long. Um, so and here we are. The end. The end. The finale. The finale. 22 episodes. I think if I weren't so tired, I would be sad. <laughs> yeah, uh, exhaustion has kept me from being sad a lot. Yeah. Like in life. So um, It's a defense mechanism. Right. Three cheers for sadness. I mean, tiredness. I mean, what emotion are we feeling? I don't even know because my emotions were all over the map for this one. So before we hop into the episode, I thought, let's start on a lighter note. Okay. I like it. Okay. So I, along the way, in this journey, as long as we've known each other, over a decade, okay, there are still some things that I'm learning about you along the way. Okay. And so I have a proposal. Okay. Selena, I'm already married. <laughs> Me too. So <laughs> we're not in Utah. There's a lot of things, okay? Um, but what I was going to say was my proposal is that... You, your pick, if you're open to this, but I, but we've named a lot of references of things that you don't, haven't seen. Uh-huh. So out of all the things that we haven't seen, you don't have to do this right now. Okay. I'd like us to pick one of your choice. Let's see how many ways I can say this. <laughs> I'm scared to say it. Watch it. Uh-huh. And then let's come back and talk about it. Pretty woman. Okay. Well, that was easy. <laughs> but I don't know the full list. Uh, is there another movie I should watch instead of that one? Well, I'm not going to watch little kid movies. So I think I, I'm considering Anne of Green Gables because mm-hmm. it just means so much to you. It just means so darn much. Right. I'm not going to watch Shirley Temple. That's understandable. It's just not going to happen. Okay. Uh, Pretty Woman. Okay. Yeah. Let's it's do, decided. Let's do Pretty Woman. Okay. Um, we can talk further offline about Anne of Green Gables. So. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we can end next season and that'll be the one I watch. All right. Okay. Well, perfect. So all that is a high note. You heard it right here, y'all. She said she's going to do it. She's going to watch the movie that every other human being on the face of the planet has seen, Pretty Woman. And then we're going to find out what does a 36-year-old in 2021 think about a 1990-91 movie about a prostitute. So <laughs> it sounds back. like a good time. Yeah, come back. <laughs> and we will figure it out. More to come. So, episode 22, Bachelor Suite, you want to take this away? Sure. Before we go too far, though, Selena, I want to address one thing. Uh, Trigger warnings weren't really a thing uh, when this show was made in 1987, but they are today. Um, So, I want to just say at the top, we want to say at the top that this episode highlights sexual assault and harassment, and it could be really triggering for some people. So, if that's you, stop. Go find something that feels safer and healthier for your heart and your mind and come back next week. We want you here, but we don't want you hurt. So this is your trigger warning. Step away. No hard feelings. We'll be back with something different next time. Thank you, Nikki. That's uh, of the utmost importance. Yep. Mm -hmm. So on to our episode description. Mm -hmm. You said, Bachelor Suite. (sighs) Sexual harassment becomes the order of the day when Mary Jo is subjected to special attention and pressure from a wealthy client. The air date was May 11th, 1987. Okay, one note right off the top. Mm-hmm. Terrible description. Really awful. 
really, but I think it plays into some other thoughts I have as the show goes on. Ooh, well, I can't wait to hear those. Maybe. Also, just want to say that this was two days shy of my second birthday. So, Aww, and perfect. May 11th is my godmother's birthday. So, oh, look at this. Sherry, I talked about you last episode. I'm talking, it's really, it's really your day, maybe. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Okay, I'll shut up now. Go ahead. <laughs> so this one was written by LBT, and it was directed by Jack Shea. Uh, the first act covers a lot of ground. Mm-hmm. Um, so we open with a cold open that has kind of a cute Charlene moment. Uh, we learn about a difficult client that Mary Jo's dealing with. Spoiler alert, I think we know this guy. I think he comes from elsewhere. And then we meet said client, and we see firsthand what's making him so hard to work with. With and for. Mm-hmm. Spoiler alert number two. He's an entitled predator. Mm, predator. That's a really good word. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. So we open with Charlene. She's lip syncing and dancing to a song at her desk. But not just any song. It's Sleep and Single in a Double Bed by Barbara Mandrell. If that name's not familiar, go back to Extra Sugar episode 17. We got you, bro. It's there. Um, so she's singing into a, a magic marker. Suzanne comes in and tells her to knock it off. Um, there's no payoff here. We just covered this, I think, in the last episode that maybe I expect more of cold opens than there are. There's no payoff here, right? Could the payoff be similar to me asking you to watch Pretty Woman at the top of this? Fair, fair, fair. Yeah. Maybe we just needed to not want to cry in a corner the entire episode. And maybe that's it. Although I actually really did feel close to Charlene in this moment because not this close since... When she said she ate a pie. Oh, the one pie in the whole, the whole pie in one sitting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because I am definitely a lip syncer. Mm. This is definitely in a dancer. I mean, mm. I don't dance and mm. I'm no good, but I will do it. Yeah. And especially in a working situation, it calms me down. So. <laughs> Takes the pressure off. <laughs> I just want to dance. <laughs> so, uh, so I was like really feeling Charlene here. I feel like if they could take this Charlene from the cold open and replace the other Charlene from the rest of this episode with that Charlene, I would have appreciated that more because I was very disappointed with her as the episode went on. And I can get into that more later. Right. Um, So then, so Susan tells her, knock it off. That's annoying. And Charlene's like, what are you talking about? I'm not doing anything. So then Julia shows up. Um, Suzanne's turned her back. Charlene's doing it again behind Suzanne's back. Julia shows up and catches her doing it. Um, and it's here that they reveal that Mary Jo is with their client, hence Winchester, and that Julia hates him. Mm-hmm. You gave me a knowing look earlier. Do mm-hmm. you know how we know hence? I, I, I do. I do. Do you want me to break that? Go for it, <laughs> okay. Selena. So basically, we had an entire conversation back around episode 10, the mm-hmm. slumber party, um, where... Like, this is the last time he was mentioned. And, I mean, it's hard to forget a name like Hence Winchester. What's funny about our conversation at that time is we we were like, what was the payoff for this? Right. Why are we even talking about this guy? He's got a waterfall in his bedroom or something. Um, I mean, we kind of get the idea he's kind of an icky guy from Mm -hmm. that episode. But we didn't really have anything else. We have, I mean, that was episode 10. We are now at 22. We have not heard even... Like the briefest mention of this man. Yep. So can I add an addendum to ooh, that? Please. Mm-hmm. He was actually Westchester instead of Winchester. 
I went back and rewatched it oh, to you? listen carefully uh-huh. because that conversation we had, you said, what is he, a maker of guns? Mm-hmm. And Winchester was a maker of guns. But I had read it and heard it as Westchester at that time, but I just went on with it. And so this time I was like, wait, I got to know. I think they changed this man's name. That is so weird. Why would you do that? I don't know. Huh. But I do think that this supports the theory. Did you ever hear, Selena, that these episodes aired out of order? Well, no, I didn't hear they aired out of order, but I heard that they took the episodes and they put them in a different order. Right, 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 right. So this should have followed 10. In my mind, it should have followed 10. Right, because they say at some point in this episode... um, there's like a week time period between something that was mentioned in ep- in in episode 10, the slumber party episode, and this episode. Something to do with the waterfall and the shower or something like that. They say like, and a week ago, he wanted a waterfall in the shower. Mm-hmm. So it should have, they should have aired very closely together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do, I, so I hope I'm not, I, I don't want to steal any thunder from you walking us through this part of the episode. But um, the other thing that like makes the timeline shaky is Charlene makes a comment to Mary Jo about it being time to consummate the relationship with JD, but that happened halfway through the season. Yep, yep, We've yep. moved past that. Another timeline thing, I don't, maybe this is what you're referring to, I'm not sure, but Mary Jo mentions that Hintz moved in five days ago. Or That's something. what it is. That's what it yeah. is. Yeah, so certainly more time has passed than that. Yes. For half an episode or season, season of episodes. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yep. Absolutely. The only thing before we um, get to that part about Mary Jo's date with char- with uh, JD, which comes up later in the consummating the relationship and whatever, there's like some. So Julia's bothered by his de- design choices. This is why I say she really doesn't like him. Mm-hmm. She's bothered by design choices. She mentions a fur waterbed and a bumper sticker that says, "Quote." These are her words. No fat chicks. Mm-hmm. Um, so this precipitates a conversation in which Suzanne. Uh, shares a story about them being at a wedding next to each other. And Mardo Richardson, um, or Mardell, I'm not sure, uh, chose a full gown and a white veil. And poor Mardo has a, a little bit of a weight issue. Mm-hmm. So Julia had apparently made some really tacky comments about her. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, there's no real payoff here except to like talk about the fact that, again, Julia's just really darn mean sometimes. Well, this is back-to-back episodes. Right. Yeah. Um, so where she's done this and then obviously this has sort of been a, (laughs) well, we could just stop there. She's an a-hole. All right, guys. Thanks for joining us for the first season of, (laughs) um, but yeah, no, absolutely. This is, this is a pattern of behavior that we're seeing with Julia. We learned something else about, um, hints though, that feels kind of important, Mm -hmm. which is that he's one of the most successful contractors in Atlanta and he can get them a lot of business. Yes. So they're definitely anxious to keep said business. Yes. Thank you for saying that. I think some of them are anxious to keep the business. Some of them would love to keep the business, but if he keeps being a jerk, they're not so sure they want to. Yeah, and that's really running the gamut across all of right. our designing women. Mm-hmm. So then Mary Jo scrambles in. And this is where we get into the real, I think, the real meat of the episode. Mm-hmm. So again, he, she brings up a couple of questionable design choices he's making. Seems to make for good laughs between Mary Jo and the workmen. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it makes everyone blush when they realize these are things that are really going to be used in his real life. So a 2,000-pound mirror suspended from above his bed. I would um, never trust that. I realize that's not the point. <laughs> that's not the point. Sure hope they found the stud when they hung it up there. I w- 
just like, and it's so I'm just like pragmatic and like just not in. I'm not the looking same to mode. die that way. Yeah, what mm-hmm. a horrible, gruesome death. I've seen ghosts. Nikki hasn't. Uh, I have. <laughs> I have many a time. Wait, but have you really? Yes. Oh, okay. I love that movie. Okay. Well, you know, he gets the... At the yeah. Is it too early for a 1991 spoiler alert? I don't know. Um, too soon. <laughs> how dare me. Uh, yeah, but so we're, we are getting those jokes, and I think they're trying... I think they have a tall order here in this episode to keep things light, but also the episode gets more serious as we go. Yeah. Sorry, I don't want to interrupt your train of thought. No, it's okay. No, then uh, next thing we learn is that um, Hence is going to come pick Mary Jo up. She's got some tile samples for him to test out. Um, so, But she's running late. All of this has made her run late through her day. So she wants Charlene to call JD and tell him she's going to be late for their date. Um, so because Charlene's involved at this point, we're back to talking about Mary Jo and JD not having had sex, Mm -hmm. which as you mentioned earlier, was a really big deal in episodes 12 and 13. Just the whole time we were talking about it. Just the whole time. Mm -hmm. So this is when Mary Jo drops that, um, JD is really upset because she just slipped and let him know that she thinks Hence has been sexually harassing her Mm -hmm. and that's been causing some friction. Um, Julia says, like, you never told us this. Right. And so, and, uh, Mary Jo says, like, well, it's just, I didn't know if it was real, if I was imagining it. So it's just things like he taps me on my shoulder to tell me things. And they're like, okay, everybody does that. And she's like, but sometimes he misses and, like, hits her breasts is the presumption. And I don't want to – this is not to correct you. I just thought that that behavior in the first place was aggressive. Mm-hmm. But, and it wasn't a shoulder tap. It was a chest tap. Okay. Maybe you're and right. And I'm only saying that because it feels – like, I would feel – like, it would – It's commanding. Mm-hmm. I would not feel – I would be kind of ticked off if someone pointed and wanted to touch me on my chest anyway. That's not a super... breasts. Chest. That's a super good clarification because the other part that's important about it is what, how close you have to be to someone to do that. Pretty close. So in the first place, he's already in her personal space. Mm-hmm. Um, he's also brushed up against her and she sort of makes this movement like it's his front pieces that have done it. Mm-hmm. And she's had to tell him, get your right hand off my left bun. I'm sorry. Do you hear me? You just his heard front, me say his, his front, front pieces. pieces. <laughs> mm, that sounds hot. <laughs> So, yeah, she's had to tell him, get your right hand off my left bun. Yeah, Um, which is pretty clear by then, right? Yeah. I mean, there's not a lot of ambiguity in the old bun touching. Right. So this is where I get really bothered by Charlene. Mm -hmm. She is very, through this whole scene, is like enthralled by the drama of all this. She's acting like it's entertaining. Like Mary Jo says, um, you know, I think it was when she said he's gone to tap her her chest and... um, Charlene's like, oh, I've seen people do that. And then he's brushed up against her. And she's like, uh-uh, no, he hasn't. Like the way you would you would do with your girlfriends if they said, like, he sent me a text message and asked me out to dinner. And you'd be like, no way, he didn't do that. But in this instance, like he's sexually harassing her. Mm-hmm. And Charlene's acting like it's this entertaining thing to watch. And I mean, I'm wondering if some of this again is, I don't, in addition to the episodes airing out of order, is this maybe because it's airing in 1987? Or is this behavior that we would still see from colleagues today? Mm-hmm. And I, that is really an open question because yeah. I don't think there is an answer yeah. is what I would say. Or it would be a really complicated one that we're, this is a recap, not a dissertation. <laughs> so I think there's a lot of things that you could um, come away with from this part of the episode. So you were focusing on Charlene. Any guesses who I was focusing on? 
Julia? Suzanne. Suzanne. Dang it. That was my second guess. Well, there was only so many guesses. (laughs) But she says, you people are getting all excited just because some guy gave Mary Jo a little love pat. Men do that sort of thing all the time. That is problematic for me. And I'm not saying that's not true. Depending on, for some women today, that might very well be baked into your personal experience. Mm -hmm. As someone who worked in restaurants for seven years, as someone who's bartended and been down that road, I never had to deal with a whole lot, but definitely there's comments and things and, you know... um, somebody would have lost a hand if there had been an inappropriate touch. I love pats too far. And even the, even calling it a love pat. For sure. You know, it's yeah. like, so, there's something to that. that uh, if you don't know me, you don't love me. So you don't, you're not entitled to pat me with love. Or with anything. Don't right. pat me with anything that you have. Not at none of your front parts, none, none of your back parts. <laughs> pieces, I believe it is. <laughs> um, so I think that was just really bothersome to me. And then the other thing that I got a hint of flavor for here was that th- there's some tension between JD and Mary Jo mm-hmm. over this guy. Well, JD's mad. He's sexually harassing you and you're still going to work? Yeah, which we'll jump into in the next act. But um, absolutely. Um, And it's, uh, again, I think we've gone back and forth over JD and how we feel about him. So yeah, here we go. So we finally get to meet Hence. And I can say, I've not gone back and forth on how I feel about him. I don't like him. Oh, you don't like him? I don't like this guy. Mm -hmm. First of all, he's late to pick up Mary Jo, which is just offensive. That's just rude. But Mm -hmm. he had to drop, quote unquote, someone off. Um, and so he's late. At any rate, he compliments all the women. Each, Is that what's happening? Yeah, it's, they're, they're very aggressive compliments. <laughs> uh, and some of them are taken with him. Suzanne and Charlene are gaga. They're all about it. I don't get it. They just are charmed by him. He compliments Charlene and says, I didn't know the decor was so attractive around here. Mm-hmm. He goes to Suzanne. Because she's a thing. Because she, sure. Like, she's like a face. An a very pretty face. Mm-hmm. Um, so he goes to Suzanne and says, don't we have friends in common? I'm just not sure how I could have missed you. Isn't that actor, like, super creepy? Okay. He's holding her hand at this point, and he's stroking it. Mm. And I do mean stroking it. Mm. And it is just creepy as hell. Knowing, especially knowing what Mary Jo is going through with him. Remember how I've said before, I don't think we should talk about actors and their looks? (laughs) Yes. Are we about to break that rule? Uh Uh-huh. Okay. I only say that because there was something about, he said, I, I should have written down what it was, but he reminds me of a young Mr. Smithers. <laughs> From The Simpsons. Mm-hmm. And I say that because, hey, we don't know that Mr. Smithers wasn't an attractive man when he was younger. It's not up to me to say, but like, can't you just see him like doing that thing with his hands and like, there's like a whole, hmm, yes, yes, hmm. Just, I don't know. There was just something about it and I just had to share. Okay, thanks for sharing that. <laughs> I'm going to watch it again with new eyes. <laughs> I don't know. I don't like it. I don't like it. So he does this to the other women and then says, like, we're going to leave. And on the way out the door, Julia tries to set boundaries, just like she did in Seems from a Marriage, episode 20. Mm -hmm. And I think she was just as effective. (laughs) So (laughs) remember in episode 20, she ended up with a horse. She said she wasn't going to take. Hence smacks her behind. Her buns, if you will. He does. And she says, he shouldn't have done that. That was a mistake keep a little list of people who pat my behind without my permission 
and several of them have died unnatural and untimely deaths. It's wonderful. Did you see Suzanne's face at this point? Yes. Her, her face was so good. It switched. So Yes, it, I think we were seeing Delta. Oh. Because I don't think that the dialogue matched up as well. Like, good point. I, she may have been on the verge of breaking. Oh, good point. Because when she said uh, he shouldn't have done that, they flashed to her face and she was like, he shouldn't have. Mm-hmm. And then when they flashed back the next time, she was making a face like, you're taking this way too seriously. Calm right. down. He's just being a romantic. <laughs> so oh, that is such a good point, Selena. That may have been true. Well, it just came to me in the second. But this this was such an important reminder that Julia had so much bark, but so little bite. Because she, like, came real strong. Like, mm-hmm. we want to keep this business. This mm-hmm. is all business. I hope we understand each other. And she's just sure she's being clear. And then he pats her behind. She's very tersely worded. She thinks she's saying something that's very clear and persuasive. Well, let's think about the two things, the incidents that it's been. I mean, let's go deep. <laughs> Let's do it. Okay. So We're the already here. first thing is that the last time she was ineffective was with the Tates in episode mm-hmm. 20. And the Tates are very wealthy. So there's a power imbalance there, mm-hmm. right? And now again, she's dealing with another wealthy client who's a man and like you said, a predator. And we have a serious power imbalance. Mm. There was no mincing of words with mm. the beauty pageant. Mm-hmm. lady there was no mincing of words with uh the woman who reese's propo- friend mm-hmm, with mm-hmm. reese's friend like i think her bark was equal to what her bite would have been with those i two. gotcha so i just wonder if in these situations like it has undercut her ability mm-hmm. because okay. even a strong woman like julia can have her feet taken out from underneath her when there is that much of a sh- like a imbalance you're bringing me along with you. I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, Suzanne and Charlene try to take up for him again. I just, I That's can't. just his way of being social. He's just a real nice guy. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I wanted to take a brief second to talk about that. So I started looking up for this week's Extra Sugar. I was running across all kinds of things that made me sad all week. Wonderful. Um, and one thing that I ran across was an, an uh, article on rape culture. Mm. And, and not, to, I mean... I don't even like to say the word, okay? It's just terrible. But anyways, this is uh, considered trivializing rape culture or a boys will be boys mentality. Mm -hmm. I've seen this a lot in my life and still today. I usually see it from uh, older women, Mm -hmm. uh, particularly women in my uh, grandparents' age range. Uh, I'm not trying to, I don't want to like broad brush that because that's Mm -hmm. obviously, you know who else is in my grandma's age range? Uh, Gloria Steinem. So I'm guessing Gloria Steinem doesn't often walk around talking about, well, boys will be boys. You know, I'm guessing Jane Fonda doesn't either. So, but you know what I'm saying? I just think uh, some of this is sort of slowly but surely going away. But I think this is very much so part of the culture. And I think it's realistic. Mm -hmm. I appreciate that they introduced that perspective because Mm -hmm. if all the women had been super miffed about the whole thing the whole time, we wouldn't have had a show here. We wouldn't have had a chance to talk about sexual harassment and sexual assault Mm -hmm. on a national program, a 30-minute sitcom in the 80s. We needed that perspective because that's what added a little bit of friction. 
and we lose Julia. She comes in and she comes out on being our voice of reason. Yeah. But here she's our voice of reason again. Um, and she calls them out for not caring about what this guy is putting Mary Jo through. Right. Right. So Mary Jo comes rushing back in. This is where this part of the episode is going to end because she comes back running in and says, that's it. No one has that much trouble finding the stick shift. And she pulls her skirt open and he has ripped her skirt in the front about halfway up. It's just totally ripped. Um, and everyone laughs, except it's not really funny. What a weird place to put in a laugh line. I think, So weird. Yeah. I mean, I can't. I, I think that we spend a, most of the episode doing a nice job balancing between this really serious message and the fact we have to remember this is a sitcom. But I think that was one place where we may have missed the mark. They started laughing. I was like, wait a minute, what? And then I wonder too, like, you know, there's the uncomfortable laughing. We've done it before. We're like talking about a serious episode. We have to be like, hey guys, especially since people can't see us. Right. We're laughing right now because we're uncomfortable. we're sweating a little bit. Yeah, not because we think it's awesome so hilarious right and maybe that's what was happening. it didn't here. sound that oh i was i guess i was thinking for the audience yeah but it didn't sound uncomfortable yeah that's true anywho her skirt was ripped open and <laughs> hence is what? a jerk it just did it <laughs> and mary joe's day doesn't get better Mm-mm. and i think this is something honestly just off the top i want to say feels accurate we what we are really seeing is this hints character is affecting every aspect of her life. Yeah. It's, it doesn't stay at work. It's going to come home with her. Mm -hmm. And in this case, it comes home, uh, literally into her house. Her and JD are supposed to have a romantic evening together. Uh, but we have a, we have a couple of interruptions that happen first. Mm -hmm. The first one is that, uh, well, his kids are there at the door when she goes to answer. Mm -hmm. And this is actually just kind of cute. I think, um, he's got, all the kids with him and Janet, his wife has apparently done this thing where she pretends to have a mix up in the schedule. Oops. You got to watch the three kids tonight. Apparently this, this typically happens to coincide with dates of his. It also probably would have happened around episode 12, 13, where they talked about this at length. Absolutely. So we know that we're, we're seeing this kind of hiccup in time that we're just going to ignore. Um, nope, we're not. I'm going to talk about it every well, single we're time. Not, <laughs> we're not ignoring anything, but I guess they thought at the time, hey, a week's passed. Who cares? They're not going <laughs> to notice that these two people are obviously dating for the first time since he's clearly talking about dating other women. Mm -hmm. Also, I'm like, how many people's has he brought around, or how many peoples has he brought around? Because the kid says something like, oh, we see him do it all the time. It's okay. We're used to it. I wrote that down too because I thought that was so strange. You mean when uh, Hannah said that in front of her brothers, Rex and Bert? I didn't even notice the kids' names. They're weird kids' names. Hannah's adorable. I have a friend, little friend named Hannah. Mm -hmm. Rex and Bert. Seem like strange kids' names. Carry on. Um... You know, one thing I was also surprised with here um, is that the kids open up to her so immediately. Mm -hmm. I don't know. These are just things that hit me. It's not really important to the plot necessarily, mm -hmm. especially since we're just pretending like these, all these people don't know each other by this But point. if these kids have met like a woman every night, which it sounds like they have a different woman every night, then they probably just are really open now. And to me, this is a, this is a plot hole. Mm -hmm. Because I think what we find out from JD in episode five, when they first start dating, is that 
he act he acted kind of like a jerk in their first date, but he it's because he was trying to put on airs because he hasn't dated a lot. Oh right. Here it sounds like he has maybe had a little bit more experience since he's been divorced, and so eh, Ugh, I don't meh. like it. I don't well, let like it go. It. Whatever the case is, they were going to be having duck a l'orange. Now they're ha- I made that sound way fancier. <laughs> I put some extra stuff in there, but anyways, and now what they're really going to be doing is having hot dogs with the kids. It sounds glorious. Sounds to me. like a darn delight. Yeah. I don't have a problem with that. Um, but anyways, time passes. We kind of do one of those little quick scene cuts. So basically went to a commercial and came back. Mm-hmm. And the kids have gone upstairs. They're downstairs. And they start talking about hints. Right. And uh, one thing that's really clear off the bat to me is she is making it clear over and over again. She does not want to talk about this. Yes. Which I think is very true to Mary Jo's character. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the phone rings. Mm-hmm. And and it's already gotten tense between JD and Mary Jo. Awkward. And it's gonna get worse because who's on the line? It's Hens, man. Mm-hmm. And he, we, you know, of course, we don't hear his side of the conversation. We only hear hers. But he's definitely apologizing. He's already apologized. Mm-hmm. One thing that we did learn that I didn't mention is she's quit the job. Oh. That's what she tells JD. Yeah. It's like, this is done. So this is like him trying to get her to come back. Right. And and then he has sent flowers mm-hmm. that show up at the door. A lot of them. Yeah, about, I don't know, like two dozen roses or something. Seems I, right. It's not an HD, guys, so it could be a, a daisy, a rose. A... I have two dozen written down, so we're going to yeah. go with that. <laughs> right. It's a lot of flowers. It's a lot. And JD is the one who's getting them from the door. He seems very annoyed. Um, and, uh, apparently we also learned that Hence is crying on the phone. He's making a lot of excuses for what happened. Apparently his dog died. That's very traumatic. She's never seen him with a dog. Right. And all this time that they've been together, but his dog died. He's really upset. And once he gets off the phone, she basically comes around, um, uh, to the fact that she is going to continue the job and JD gives her an ultimatum. And He's kind of the king of those, isn't he? A little bit. A little bit. When uh, things don't go his way, he just threatens people. But it's okay. He gives them Braves hats. Right. <laughs> and I want to talk about JD's reaction and how yeah. he acts. But before we do that, I just want to carry it on through. He gets really ticked. He leaves. And there's like a ha-ha funny bit. He forgets the kids because he's so angry. And he, he just heads on out. And that's pretty much where everything... And he takes his Braves hat back. He does. De- that is so something. Um, like, I don't want your hat in the first place. I already have seven from right. the last mistakes you made. Um, but anyways, and that's pretty much where things end. But I just wanted to come back and talk about some of the specific actions that he takes. Um, but I don't want to sit here and just, yappity, yap, yap, yap. What, do we have a podcast or something? <laughs> do you want to say anything? I, I'm sure what you're going to say is the same, is similar to what I want to say. There was some major victim shaming in there mm-hmm. by JD. Mm-hmm. Um, he, it, there's just a lot of like, he's doing all this to you and you're still going to go back? And it just kind of ignoring the fact that there are financial implications to them dropping this job. We've talked a few times throughout the episode that the the business is not doing that well. You mentioned a few minutes ago that this dude could get them a lot of business. So it's not so easy for Mary Jo to just walk away and walk away from that paycheck. So that's thing one. She's a single mother. Right. 
So that bothered me a lot. I do imagine though, to put myself in JD's shoes, that has to be a little frustrating to watch as well. <clears throat> yeah, I don't want to take away from the fact that this is, it's a tough for everyone. There's only one person in this entire scenario that it's not tough for, and he sent two dozen roses, and he's a piece of crap sitting over somewhere else in Atlanta. You know what I'm saying? Also not real. <laughs> but I can get just as mad as if he was. <laughs> I will go there. Um, but yeah, so I don't want to take that away from JD, but I do want to say that uh, I, I felt like he was being a little condescending. Mm -hmm. um, he calls her gullible, mm -hmm. even though he says it jokingly. He says, oh, I can't sleep with her now. He'll be a hill. Oh, yeah. You know, I think the other thing that bothers me about that is there is a long history that goes along with women being sexually assaulted and then suddenly you're ruined. Yeah. So to make light of that, yeah. it is not light. It's yeah. super heavy. Um, so I didn't appreciate that. Um, and then I think some of what's coming to the surface here too is like, it's not necessarily about Mary Jo. Right. It's about hints. And right. even him thinking she's available. That's so weird to me. That has nothing to do with the fact that she feels helpless and she feels against the rope. So I just said a second ago, it must be frustrating to watch that happen, to feel like she has some control over the situation, but she's not exercising that control. Mm -hmm. I want to give him that credit, but then he doesn't acknowledge that she feels a little bit helpless. He doesn't say, God, this must be hard on you. Let me help you find more business so you don't feel like you have to take this and you don't feel like you're against the ropes. This is about him not wanting to feel like less of a man because another man is trying to take advantage of his woman. Yes. And, but he like tries to put on airs like it's not that, but it clearly is that. Right. And I think the other thing that really bothered me is in addition to the condescending thing, he also comes over while she's on the phone and tries to take it from her. Mm, like he's going to fix it. Uh, but like she's a child. Yeah. Because you see, and it's so, it's like, okay. If you did not grow up with a landline, you don't know that maybe occasionally something happened in your life where a parent may have come over and said, give me the phone, just give me the phone. Give it to that me. never happened. Right. And so there, I, I'm suddenly like 10 again. <laughs> my mom's trying to take the phone because she's trying to, and I'm in over my head. <laughs> Telemarketer. I don't know. But like whatever the case is. And that's what it felt like to me. She just bought a box of encyclopedias. <laughs> idiot um but like mary joe is like not a child and i think again she's like trying to assert herself and he's trying to assert himself we're just having a little bit of a mix-up so <laughs> sure we're having a lot of mix-up um and so i don't know just, I didn't like it. Yeah, I didn't care. I, I think I've said a few times my feelings are mixed on JD. Um, and this was one where I felt like, and the end of the episode comes around to this too. It wasn't about Mary Jo. And it wasn't about what made her comfortable. It was about what made him comfortable. And he wanted to be the hero here. He wanted to be the one that stepped in and saved it so that it didn't affect his reputation or manhood or whatever you want to call it. And it, that was just an ugly feeling in an episode that should have been all about what Mary Jo was going through. But it's going to be a really good lead up to our final act. So I'm going to call this last act. Well, that escalated quickly. Because Fair. it was about this point in the episode that I was a little bit enraged. I was a little bit bored. And <laughs> I was kind of ready for this to be over. But here we learn that Hence really is a real a-hole. 
He's a real piece of work. And we find out all the reasons why Mary Jo has been concerned about him. We can finally see it. Um, and it escalates real fast. Mm-hmm. Um, so we start with a transition at Sugar Bakers where we learn that against the advice of Julia, Mary Jo has indeed gone back to finish the job. Um, Suzanne's on the phone, mm-hmm. and it seems like it's with someone who's vouching for hints. I, yeah, I guess so, because I, I that kind of blew over my head. But we also, uh, Nikki and I talked about this. Well, we didn't talk about it, but we threw it in some document that we share. <laughs> that I may or may not have read. You guys don't need to know the inner workings of this, but there is some missing script here. Yeah, there is. Um, and it's kind, of, it's kind of important, I think. I think so, too. So I think it's Julia who makes some comments to acknowledge how nuanced sexual assault can be. Um, especially for women who don't want to make it like a whole thing. So Mm -hmm. she says, well, you know, some women... So she has said she's a little bit worried about um, Mary Jo because you know she can be so polite. Mm -hmm. She says, well, you know, some women are so well-mannered and easily intimidated that if a man they know comes on to them, they're afraid of causing trouble. It's just not as cut and dry as being attacked by a stranger. And that's true. I do agree. I can... (laughs) Some of it feels like a, a tinge problematic. Because it just sort of already sets women up in this like docile, subservient kind of thing. I know I, I understand the intention behind it, but I can also understand how someone in twenty twenty one looked at those lines and said, uh, maybe not. I don't know. I, I actually was a little bothered they cut this because I think that um I think it's still true. Mm-hmm. I think it's very true. I think many women you talk to would say that in a professional environment, maybe in a personal environment with a friend's husband or boyfriend, I think a lot of women would say, I just am not sure. Was that inappropriate? Yeah. I don't know. I think it's the easily intimidated that bothers me. Some women are. And some people are, right? Yeah, that's true. So it's kind of getting like slapped and like specifically to women. I don't know that it's just women who are that way, but I definitely, I definitely see it. And if we're going to talk about the Southern angle, yeah, like, uh, and I don't know necessarily, at least in the era when you and I were brought up, I feel like I can say with certainty that you know, you were just expected to act a certain way. You were expected to be a young lady mm-hmm. and these kinds of things. So I don't know if that's continued on today. I can't speak to that, but I can speak to my upbringing. Mm-hmm. And so I do think for those reasons that it could be challenging for someone to assert themselves mm-hmm. when that's sort of baked into the whole experience of being mm-hmm. <laughs> brought up. Right. And, and in this missing script as well, Charlene shares a story Um, about how she ended up on a bus next to a man uh, near Fort Benning, which is a military fort. We can talk about that later, but here in Georgia. But he ended up, like, she was on the bus next to him feeling a little uncomfortable. That, like, radar was going off. Mm -hmm. That something just wasn't right. Um, And then she kept questioning herself because she sort of felt bad. She's like, why am I assuming this about this person? I know nothing about him. So she drifts off to sleep. Um, And when she wakes up, he's going through her suitcase and putting her bra on his head. Yeah. So there was something a little perverse about this person. It, 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 at the very least, the man had boundary issues. Yeah. So it's not quite the same case, uh, but it's really close. And really that story is like the best case scenario of what could have come out of that. Yeah. Because where I thought it was going as I was reading it, I was like, oh my God, is she about to reveal that she was raped and they just totally left it out of this story? Right. Like how easily could he have molested her? And it turned out to be almost like uh, an important moment that was cut, but also I, they used it 
as a moment of levity, I think. Yeah. Well, they cut the whole thing out, so. Right, so we didn't see any of this. Is there anything else about those cut lines that you wanted to mention? Uh, only the fact that Suzanne, I think, continues to double down on she doesn't understand what everybody's problem is. You know, in this, to your point about her being on the phone and getting a vouch, mm-hmm. a vouching, a voucher, a coupon. <laughs> she's on the phone with Marcy, which is their in common friend that we hear about at the top. Yeah. And she's saying he's a nice guy. And the other part we get here is like, He's never been turned down before. Right. Or something like that. That we know of. Right. We don't know that. Right. That's our big assumption. Anyway. (laughs) So this is where it gets really real. Mm. So it opens up and Mary Jo has gone to Hence's place to finish up tile design Mm -hmm. in the bathroom. When she gets there, he he lures her into his master bedroom Mm -hmm. on the pretext of seeing the tile in the bathroom. Like, we can't make these decisions unless we're in the bathroom. And you can see that discomfort, right? I also want to mention something here. Mm-hmm. Because there's a lot of... Things happen really fast, as you say, that escalate quickly. Mm-hmm. Before then, this is going to sound like a little in the weeds, but go with me. He comes out and he's in a very short silk robe. Very short robe. Why is it so short? It's so funny. Uh, my notes say, and he comes out in a robe, like a small one. <laughs> <laughs> like like a lady's robe. It's like a bath mat. <laughs> yeah. So there's that. But what is she wearing? I would call it... Uh, now, I only got this Was it Mary Jo Chic? From here th- to... This is tough, from right? From to toes. She, she is a little bit of a... Uh, um, I can't even think of the word right now, but like there's not a lot of... She doesn't have a lot of things hanging She's out. very modest. Thank you. Um, very Victorian, if you will. Yes. But it, along with this scene, her wardrobe escalated. She is in a potato sack jacket... And very baggy pants. Oh my gosh, yeah. So I did not realize until my third watch of this that she was dressed. I think it's because everything else kind of takes your attention off her through the rest of the scene. Right. She came in here in her own type of armor. And her armor was to cover up anything that might be attractive to him. Oh, that's so sad. Now, these are guesses on my part. Right. But anyways, so continue. So, yeah, he tells her, like, just chill on the bed while he finishes getting ready. And he comes out in that really tiny robe. Um, first, he tries to get her to dance, right? He mm-hmm. says, let's dance. There's some light music playing. And she says, no, man, we had a deal. We had a deal. You said you would let me come over here and just do my freaking job. Do mm-hmm. what you're paying me to do. And he says, forget the deal. Forget the deal. Let's just get to know one another. Mm-hmm. And... Um, he tries to get her on the bed. And let's just sit here and talk to one another. Try out the mattress. Try out the mattress. Let's give it a go. She says, no, I'm not comfortable with that. One important thing happens before then that I did not realize because everything happens so quickly. It really did. He locks the door. Right. Before almost all of this conversation. Yeah. He walks over. And locks the door with a key that he, he then proceeds to put in his incredibly short robe pocket. Because <laughs> it has the pocket. I don't even know how it was long enough fit. to, yeah, how is it long enough for a pocket? Um, so but, crazy. so he puts that key in his pocket. If that is not bizarre anyway, I mean, since when do we have a turnkey lock master bedroom? Oh, yeah. It's concerning to me. Oh, good point. Well, yeah. But I mean, the whole thing's concerning, right? Right. Here comes some of that uncomfortable laughter. Right. 
He tries to get her in the bathtub, this one that she has installed, that she's overseen the installation of. He wants her to get in. He'll get her some booze, let her just kind of relax. Yeah, she'll so, have four or five drinks. Like Selena says, a lot's happening. I'll just pause and say, like, the amount of privilege here is gross. Like, the amount mm-hmm. of presumption that he has mm-hmm. that, like, you want to be here with me. You want to do this. You just don't know you want this. It just, I'm going to first, you know, we're going to try to see what, what your button is. Like, what's the thing that turns you on? Is it dancing? Do you like dancing? Oh, you don't. Okay, cool. We'll just, well, is it laying down in bed? Is that it? No. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Let's move to the bathtub. Is it that? And she's just progressively saying, no, 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 no. He locks the door and she says, you know what you are, man? You're a rapist. And, um, they end up on the bed. He picks her up, physically picks her up, slams her on the bed and says like, know your role basically like know your place you're gonna do it with me right now that's what's gonna happen yeah i one thing that was said too is because she asked for the key Mm -hmm. and he says i'll give you what you You want want. if you give me what i want yep or maybe the reverse of that but you know so like he's basically saying you can put out you put out and then i'll let you out of this door so he puts her on the bed physically muscles her onto the bed she has to freaking knock him out and this is where, like, I'm watching the episode so far, and I'm like, God, this sucks. This is horrible. This is, what just happened? What just happened? She grabs a vase or something and smashes it on his head. Well, because she had already gotten tough with him. She said she's not one of these women in the movies who gets strangled in nine mm-hmm. seconds. So good for her. Right. You know, I think, I also just want to say that her saying what she does to look at him and say um, that you know what you are, you're a rapist. Mm-hmm. I'm getting chills right now just talking about that. I can't even recall. Now, rape is something that is on television a lot. Mm -hmm. Okay? That is a plot device a lot. I mean, SVU is that it should just be rape UV or whatever. Anyways, I mean, that it's just all the time. Right. So that was one of the most pointed exchanges Mm -hmm. I can recall. Mm-hmm. From a very long history of television watching. Um, so I actually thought that was pretty groundbreaking. Um, and I thought it was also something she's... Hmm, LBT, I think, is making a counterpoint to Suzanne and Charlene. Because Suzanne and Charlene in the beginning are very over, like, come with his good looks. Right. And she says, what do you think? Just because you look like Robert Redford, it Mm. isn't rape. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I thought like that was a really subtle way to not call um, Suzanne and Charlie now, but just to say like, you can be good looking and you can still sexually assault someone. Right. Um, So I thought that was really interesting as well. So after she knocks him out, she has to uncomfortably, I imagine it was incredibly uncomfortable, get the key out of this very tiny postage stamp of a robe. Mm -hmm. And she runs to the door with the key because simultaneously JD is knocking on the door and yelling for her. Mm -hmm. Um, So the second she opens the door, she crumples into his arms and he heads over to check in on Hens. Not in a good way. He's not going to make sure he's still alive. He's going over there because he wants to handle this situation. He doesn't think Mary Jo has done good enough. I, well, yes. I also felt like I saw, I think this was really good um, acting on Jillian's part. Because for better or worse, no matter how we feel about JD, JD obviously has some issues, okay? Mm -hmm. And one of them being kind of like these issues with um, a little bit of toxic masculinity, Mm -hmm. okay? And one thing I saw over his face is in about, 
three seconds, he goes through about 12 emotions. Yeah. Because the first thing he does is go to hold her because he can tell that she's, she's upset. Rattled. But then he looks on the bed real quickly and he sees him in that tiny robe. You read it that way too. I did. Mm-hmm. I think he thought something was going on, but then he realizes that he's not like... Something was going on, but not good. Right. Yeah. And, and, and he realizes that, oh, this dude isn't like laid up in the bed. This dude is laid out. Out in the bed. Yep. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so all of those things happen. And then he goes over there and that's when he's coming to. Right. Oh, hinty hints. Right. Hence comes back for a second. Uh, JD <laughs> says, what's your dog's name? And that's a throwback to his excuse that he gave her for his bad behavior. And he's like, what, what dog? Who who dog? And JD knocks him out again with a punch. Mm-hmm. Um, the other ladies then, the other designing women, come in to rescue her. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what they say. Right, right. Which and is an interesting choice of words. In the, in the, yes. And in the deleted script we talked about from the last, um, last scene, the women had all agreed they were going to go out and save her. Mm-hmm. Um, they see they're too late. Charlene makes one more comment about Hence's appearance and just, um. Oh, it's because Suzanne says he didn't look that good without his clothes on. And Charlene says, really? Yeah. And she was like, I know, I know, Julia, that's it's not, not the, the issue. Right. Yeah. right. So I rolled my eyes again, but they, they all turned to leave, um, except Julia. Julia is still behind. And they're like, Julia, are you coming with us? And she's writing something. And she says, I'm just leaving, hence a note. Um, she ends up writing a note on their business card that says, Dear Mr. Winchester, just wanted you to know Sugar Bakers always finishes the job. And that's that's it. Yeah. That's a wrap on season one. Yeah. I do want to say what, there was another line. All of the dialogue in this episode was very well used. So it was like, it feels like every line had a, like a really important part of the story that was telling. You know, a lot of times, that's not the case. Not just here, any show. You know, there's just throwaway lines. But there's this whole exchange where they, they basically insinuate, oh, good. JD was here. Oh. Mm-hmm. He saved you. Mm-hmm. And she was like, mm-hmm saved myself nope yeah and i think that's a really important part of this because we had that groundwork laid before where we're kind of he's some of that kind of hero thing is coming up where he feels like she needs some saving in the last act and that's what she i don't need to be saved i need this guy to stop sexually harassing me Mm -hmm. i need to be able to feed my kids i need to be able to not have this thing chase me around everywhere i go i need for you to support me i don't need you to save me right and that felt like a pretty important part of this episode so what was your opinion on ending on this storyline they ended the first season on a storyline about sexual assault and harassment so uh i i think like i'm it's hard for me not to go totally cerebral because we've talked so much about these episodes being twisted up and what, what do you order, mean? What order are they actually going in? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> sometimes you're so good. <laughs> I don't even see the joke is happening. Um, but, uh, so like part of me is like, Oh, what did they really mean to do? Where this would have hit you know, initially gone and all of this. But I would just say generally, I just felt very caught off guard by this episode it didn't help with the description it's a sitcom Mm -hmm. so i kind of assumed we would have had the escalation would have been like this inappropriate hiney smacking Mm -hmm. but it didn't end there right we're talking about with not harassment this is i mean it is that moves into assault Mm -hmm. um and a near miss rape Mm -hmm. you know and so i don't think i was at all prepared for that 
Um, in terms of this being a finale, uh, I'm mixed on it because it's a big thing that this happens. Um, but there's, in terms of it actually being a finale and you want something to bring you into season two, mm-hmm. everything again, because this is very um, episodic, everything's, you know, all wrapped up. It's all done. There's nothing else left to explore, really. Mm-hmm. Um, not the way they position it. I think we know, as like real life people, you don't just walk away from an incident like that and be like, mm-hmm. cool. But they will. I think so. Um, so I'll be curious to see uh, how this is carried into the next season, if at all. But as to your point, probably not. I think it is interesting to get back to what you said at the very beginning, thinking about... Uh, chronologically where this would have fallen they would have been right on the bubble when this episode should have aired because remember 12 13 was the first episode back we said 10 is the one that we feel like would have preceded this so this should have been 11 Mm -hmm. so it could have been their last episode on air i'm curious if they felt like it was maybe too heavy of a note for that early in the season they were already not having the beta the greatest um, ratings. They were already maybe facing a little bit of criticism about the content or the structure of the show. So I wonder if they felt like it was just a little too heavy at that point. So they shelved it, went a different route with episode 11. Um, And then after they got their footing a little later in the season and, and LBT was allowed to say, was able to say like, no, we had that letter writing campaign. We have an audience. We have people that will watch this storyline and will understand it and see where we're going. And so I wonder if it felt like a safer toward the end of the season thing to address. It does still feel a little bit like a random season finale, except that if these women had to go off the air, and I I don't know if they knew at this point they were coming back for season two, but if they had to end the series... I feel like that that feels consistent with what LBT wanted to do with this show is to end it on the note of strong women and pushing back on toxic masculinity, sexual harassment. Um, And then adding to that one more point, Mm -hmm. I do think some people might have seen at that point what the show could bring and maybe they would be curious. Well, if they can talk about rape and make me laugh, what are they going to bring in season two? Could they do more of this? Mm -hmm. And I'm going to come back and see. So you feel good about the choice? No, I wouldn't say I feel good about it. Oh, okay. I could see the rationale. So I'm going to ask you a strange question. Maybe not strange. I mean, it's like, I'm not going to ask you like what you ate for dinner. Strange. But like, what, if you could have, if you were making the decisions on this and you were in the driver's seat, is there an episode from season one that you think would have fit the bill? You know what? Um, If I could just do whatever, but it would have required a lot of shuffling. So we're just going to... Yeah, you don't suspend. have to. Yeah. I haven't written the whole season again. Sure. I pr- I might have honestly taken 12, ended on 12, to make people come back to see what happened in 13, which is was um, Charlene's breast cancer scare. Mm-hmm. So end on that cliffhanger of mm-hmm. what's going to happen with Charlene. Is season two going to resolve some of this weirdness between Ch- uh, Mary Jo and JD? Is Anthony going to end up with a thousand pairs of slacks? I don't know. Um, But that might have been a nice cliffhanger to end on. It would have required a substantial amount of shuffling. All of this may be there. Yeah. You you don't have to work the whole... If you'll go in the other room and work this out, then come back with some storyboards. (laughs) Yeah. uh, You got the time, right? Right. Uh, You're not raising two children or anything. Um, So I think mine would have been ending on Oh, Susanna. Oh, uh uh-huh. 
and but maybe have left a little ambiguity as to apparently yeah, yeah, yeah. this is my word of the episode. Um, but uh, to whether or not she was going to wind up that being able been good. to have leasing, mm-hmm. and then I would have used this episode somehow as the penultimate. Mm-hmm. So, and then I don't know how I would have bridged the two, but maybe like in the cold open, there would have been something that would have been like a little seed mm-hmm. that I would have teased out in the final one. And isn't it fun to be 35 years later? (laughs) (laughs) Never have written a TV show. With 35 years worth of information on what's happened in the world. Yes, and never having written a TV show or really anything um, substantial. And to sit here and say what we would do. I do think it's interesting the thread between our two proposals is emotion. So mine was the Charlene breast cancer, does she, doesn't she, will she survive? Yours was Suzanne's um, temporary foster child and is she going to end up a mother? And I feel like those are two emotionally, and this was emotionally charged for sure, just in a different way, a different emotion. Those are almost like bittersweet, almost positive emotions, whereas this one is definitely a downer. Yeah, because I feel like... Um, in my experience with television, a lot of times the penultimate is usually the one where they, uh, those are the core shakers. Mm-hmm. And then in the next one, we start setting up those things and placing characters on the chessboard, if you will, right. so that we're... Did you just flash the Game of Thrones in your head? So much. I did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that we're primed. Right. You know, so... That I, you, have a re- you have a reason for coming back. Yeah. That's what it is. I mean, that's really what it is. I imagine it had to have been harder, though, to end on a cliffhanger in the 80s than now. Mm -hmm. Because what do I do when I'm watching Working Moms and I need to know what happens next? I just click next episode Mm -hmm. and I go straight into the next season unless I'm all caught up, in which case I do have to keep waiting. And then I have to watch that episode again to remember what happened. Mm -hmm. So I wonder if the cliffhangers, the like feeding episodes maybe were a little bit harder. I think that probably is part of it. And I mean, the way that we... um, the way that we absorb TV now mm-hmm. and digest it is so different. Mm-hmm. The whole environment is different. But also, I just feel like we had not really gotten to the point where um, sitcoms were as serialized as they can be now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think if there were ones that did that, it was very um, rare. That, you're making a really good point because there actually is a show – trying to remember Tom Hanks's son Colin Hanks it's oh, life and pieces life and pieces mm-hmm. is like that where they sort of build this narrative over time and you've got these threads of storylines and it ended untimely and it just sort of it's not even a very clean ending it's a little bit like it's a little tied up in a bow but there's so much that you wanted wrapped up before you ended it oh but did they get before yes. okay well, mm-hmm. that's why they were able the they were able to finish it out on something that felt a little bow tie but not completely and so there was a lot you wanted to see wrapped up so what's our cliffhanger how are we going to get people back for another season of you and me i think they're here for the ratings <laughs> <laughs> i think they'll come back for the ratings and they're going to come back for more extra sugars on that note, then, as you transitioned me, um, should we go ahead and rate this sucker? We should. Can you go first? I can. Uh, was it a little hard for you to do the rating system? <laughs> 
like there's not much to go on here. That's part of it. And the other part is I'm just not sure I'm fully committed to my rating yet. Oh, okay. Well, so I did, my rating scale is Scary Sex Dungeons. Um, oh. I don't know. Look, it took me a long time to do that because like I don't want to make light of this. But I think a scary sex dungeon is sounds kind of funny and is also serious if you find yourself in one. Mm-hmm. So I gave it four out of five scary Whoa. sex dungeons. Mm. Um, for, for, <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know what happened there. I'm here. Mm-hmm. I hate that Anthony wasn't in this one at all. We ended the season without my favorite character. So I think that sucks. That does suck. Um, and even though I understand it's because, again, if you don't know, things were done out of order. And he was only supposed to be here for five episodes, so there's stuff. But uh, it seems counterintuitive given how uh, all of this groundwork had been laid out over the course of the season, how protective he is over everyone. And then he's not here at all for someone almost getting sexually assaulted. Mm-hmm. So I I don't know like but then maybe that would take away from JD I I, I don't I have might have had a, you're raising an interesting point I might have had a different reaction to the quote unquote saving at the end if it had been Anthony doing it because mm. I think he would have done it differently. Well, there's not all that emotion tied up in it. Yeah, and there's not that whole like kind of crap scene mm-hmm. where we just saw JD be a butt. Yeah, we didn't see Anthony do that. We didn't see Anthony at all. That's what I'm saying. That's why you can't get a perfect score for me. For something that's 22 minutes, I think it was pretty impressive how much they were able to cover, mm-hmm. which I think speaks to LBT. She's, I don't know if you know this or not, but she's a talented lady. She has television shows, so she must be doing something right. And I think that she was very economical with the dialogue um, and got really important points just really, you know, stuffed in there. And um, we got a pretty good glimpse about the immediate impact that this was having on both her work and home life. For Mary Jo, I'm sorry. <laughs> Sounds like I'm talking about LBT there. But I mean, I think her being able to, um, within, I mean, really we're talking about only a matter of a couple of days. Mm-hmm. And we are seeing how this kind of situation can really impact everything. Mm-hmm. I think that's really important in terms of being able to tell a big story Mm -hmm. in a little space. Um, I think you could also say that it was brave to go out on a serious topic like this, Mm -hmm. Um, especially considering the times. And um, I think there were some important messages here. Mm -hmm. All right, all right, all right. I might come come along. I'm going to go 3.75. I'm going to go with Apology Braves hats. Okay. Since we we talked about the Braves last time. Um, Everything you said. All of it. Like, I don't even really need to add that much more. Everything you said, yes, I agree with. Um, I think there were bungles. Like, there were things that could have been better. Like, I think there was a way to get Charlene and Suzanne on the same side of this argument Mm. without Charlene making light of everything, which is what I was really seeing happen a lot. Um, Again, like I said, that, that scene where every time Mary Jo expresses a way that she has been assaulted, because it went beyond harassment to assault when he started touching her. And she says, like, he's touching my chest and he's brushing himself against me. And he's, and Charlene is watching it raptly. Like she's watching a soap opera. Mm. And I like to think that if my best friend came to me and said these things, I wouldn't be like, uh-uh, girl. And what did you do to him? I wouldn't mm-hmm. go I'd be that like, route. I'll get my shovel. Right. 
and let's go get the car. We ride at Earl had to die. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So that bothered me a lot. And it's just hard to kind of move past that. I think there had had to have been a way to get her on the same. She's from a small town in Missouri. It is not a far leap for me to believe that she was raised to believe men can... That's their way of being friendly. Is that why... So I haven't heard you mention Suzanne a lot, even though Suzanne and Charlene seem to be on the same side of this. But I think that it's finally clicking for me. It's because they're best friends. Because they're best friends. Yeah. Because Suzanne is not Mary Jo's best friend. No. Not by a long shot. And Suzanne is a very different character, too. Mm -hmm. Um, I think... You know, and I think it's this episode when um, Julia says... I I don't agree with this, but she says, your opinion doesn't count for much on this, Suzanne. You think being tied up for five days is a romantic overture. Well, some people might think that's a romantic overture. I, so, so I think her character fits that. She mm-hmm. and, and if it doesn't, again, like if you're comfortable with it and if that boundary is, that's where your boundary is, cool. Mm-hmm. Have at it all day long. If your boundary is not there and if you've set that your boundary is not there, then it's sexual harassment. Then it's assault. Then you've been told. He was put on notice multiple times. There's no ambiguity about how she felt about all this. Um, so I think Suzanne's boundaries maybe are just a little different. So... For her, it, it made sense to me more than Charlene, who one is best friends with this woman who is repeatedly saying, I'm hurt. I'm hurting. Right. Something's not right. Mm-hmm. Um, and two, Charlene is just not that character. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I have to take points off on that because I really like Charlene. All of that said, 100% agreed with everything you said. And I would totally come back to season two just to see what other issues, tough issues, big issues, controversial issues that they can take on, make relatively funny, but make a point that drives home. And this episode definitely made the point that toxic masculinity exists. Mm -hmm. It's a problem. Sexual assault comes in various ways. It's not black and white, which is what that missing script was so important for me. There are nuances to it and it's not as cut and dry as being raped. Mm -hmm. There are other stages to it. Mm -hmm. 3.75, Apology Brave Sounds. All right. Um, 80s things. I'm sorry. (laughs) I've never done this before. Before we get into 80s things, do you have any combination? No. Okay, I have one. Okay. So I'm going to go ahead and say it so we can just, yeah. So Atlanta National Bank. Oh, uh-huh. That's a reference I had to look up. Mm-hmm. And it's Southern. Mm-hmm. It's in Atlanta. Uh, it is a real bank. Oh, is that right? Mm-hmm. And it's over in Alpharetta. Oh, good to know. Isn't it kind of weird that they're in Atlanta, but they're going to drive all the way over to Alpharetta to go to the bank? A little bit. Um, Alpharetta is like a neighborhood outside of the city limits. Can I ask real quick, was it around in the 80s? Uh, I got the impression that it's been around a long time. Okay. Yeah. All right. So now we'll go to 80s things. I have nothing. Okay. Uh, so I, one of the reasons that I went back and watched this today is because I was so agitated. I had so few references. Oh. <laughs> I thought that I was like, maybe your attention was pulled so much by the plot of this one yeah. that I missed some things. So, um, but we've mentioned this before. It may have even been on the last episode about hints, but the waterbed. Oh. <laughs> it's deeply 80. Yeah. Um, pulling ads from a magazine. That's how there was this whole conversation about, that's why he wanted to to do the jacuzzi tub. Oh. Also jacuzzi tubs. Yeah. yeah. That's very 80s. I'm not saying they don't have them now. I'm just saying I think that's when they were invented. <laughs> Could be wrong. I don't know. Someone berate me over it. I'll come back here. I'll cry. I won't cry. But I will apologize. And then uh, so many landlines is what's in my notes. Oh. There's just a lot of them. Oh. A lot of, and it's all those like 
manila colored balls. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Why were they like, you know what be beautiful is some manila. Right. It's the worst color. It's neutral. Nice neutral. It just, yeah, if you really want something to not fade into the background, (laughs) make it manila. Um, So, southern things. Calling a toilet a commode? Julia did that at what my grandmother used to call the toilet a commode. Yeah, so does mine. There you go. I don't. <gasps> I don't know where it comes from. Sorry. We'll, we'll probably report back at some point. Yeah, that's a good one. I think that my voice got really high there, so I apologize. I feel like that was painful to the listener. Uh, I mentioned this earlier. Fort Benning from the cutscene. Fort Benning is a U.S. Army post that's on the Alabama Georgia border. I like the commitment to looking up a cut southern. I know. That's well, I had a friend whose husband was stationed at Fort Benning, so it has a special place in my heart. Um, so is that all your references? Mm-hmm. Atlanta Braves hats. Oh, uh-huh. uh huh. Saying to fix them some drinks. Oh, that's what good Hint one. Said. Good one. Good one. Um, I know that's something that I have read on multiple lists that um, blows my mind every time that confuses people. But if you're not from around here, what do you mean you're fixing it? Like it was broken. Right. That's what it sounds like. Just fixing it, man. Um, He'd be a heel to sleep with Mary Jo now. Mm. Something about being a heel. I don't know. That just felt very Southern. That feels 40s to me. (laughs) It just feels like I heard it in like an old timey movie. Say a (laughs) heel. When you're not allowed to say a hole. (laughs) I'm a heel. That's good. But I think, but isn't it all related? It was also said in Home Alone. Oh, really? Two, when they're going to Paris. Uh-huh. Was that two or was that one? Two. Uh, two. One. One was oh. Paris, right? Yeah. Okay. One yeah, was Paris. Sure. She says, don't you feel like a heel being here in first class while all the kids are stuck in coach? Nope. <laughs> That's pretty much what happened. <laughs> um, also, like, I don't know rich people that go to Paris for, I don't even want to talk. I can't. I can't, I can't Nikki. I can't. Um, References that I had to look up, or you had to look up, or we need to talk about. What you got? Vichy Soise. That is the soup that she says she's making with duck, duck à l'orange. Um, so that's one of those frou-frou foods that I've heard of, mm-hmm. but I don't actually know what it is. Mm-hmm. Turns out it's a cold soup made of pure, pureed leeks, onions, potatoes, cream, and chicken stock. It was invented in America in 1917 and named after the French town of Vichy. Let me clarify. I just don't like cold soup. So all those oh, ingredients, really? like that that would make a delicious warm soup. Mm-hmm. I love a good potato soup. Why'd it have to be cold? Why do you got to make it cold? Okay. Good look up because it also sounded familiar to me. I was like, is that sausage? <laughs> um, I, do, you made a face to leeks. You don't like leeks? It was, you know, it was a delayed reference to cold soup. Oh, okay. That's what it was. It. I like it, but I like it to be like, I just need like a, like a little taster. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't need like a whole bowl of it. Yeah. Um, because I think sometimes they can be kind of delicious, but I, I hear you. I'm glad it wasn't on the leeks though, because leeks no, are tasty. I'm okay with that. You're okay. You're okay. With, leeks. Guess what? Leeks, you're cool by me. Nikki says you can exist. I'm not sitting here eating you raw, but you can exist. You're cool. Moving on, sleeping single in a double bed was on my list. Oh, yeah. But you caught it at the beginning, so Barbara Mandrell. But I thought that was such a nice callback to your extra sugar. Yeah. Into the episode, because they do mention them within the course of the episode. Right. And I jumped right in there. I'm sorry. That that, was it. That was all. Okay. I'm just doing whatever I want. Here is one that I feel silly that I had to look up because I just always, this is one of those things that I sort of just always uh, sorted in my head to rich people stuff I don't care about. Oh, uh-huh. uh Club Med. Oh. 
so I'm I, familiar with Club Med. Well, I was today years old when I, fa- oh, do you, or do you participate? No, uh-uh. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, like, I love Club Med. Go on. And actually you may know something different about it than I'm familiar with, but mm-hmm. I just was curious planning a vacation at some point, probably our 10th wedding anniversary, which thank you, COVID was supposed to be really wonderful and was not. Uh, we ended up canceling our trip, but I looked at Club Med because everybody says how wonderful they are. In fact, I think I might have a friend who stayed at one and they get a butler with every room or something. So it's like sandals. So, right, right. So I looked it up in that context, but what'd you find? And that's what it is. They're all inclusive resorts and they're all around the world. And just, and I, I think sandals is similar to this is like, you have like, um, I always think of couples retreat. With Vince Vaughn, you know, where you've got like the party island, you got the family island. So it's, you've got the couples kind of thing. So it seems like the topless beaches. um, That's where I'm going to be. I'm telling you, the adults only beaches, because we've been to an adults only resort, which always sounded super, it does. It sounds like a sex resort when you say adults only. That's what it sounds like to me. Yeah. The adults only beach is the topless beach. If you're not comfortable topless, don't go there. Well, not comfortable topless, if you're not comfortable with topless. We don't have to do an extra sugar on this, because I could just go on and on. We should put it in with the bra one. <laughs> Anyways, so um, uh, I think I just saw it. I must be about the club part, too, but I'm always associating with country clubs, rich people. Oh, I don't uh-huh. know. But anyway, so I, I learned today that it's these kind of luxury mm-hmm. um, resorts, mm-hmm. all-inclusive. So I don't know why I was always making a thing of it in my head. But I always, like, I almost it's picture... A weird name. I almost picture people, like, they're playing tennis when they're talking about it. Oh. So that's just where it's at in my brain. Um, we got another uh, Gaddafi mention in, in yeah. this one. Which is funny because I was catching up just... Maybe I listened to an old episode and heard you... <laughs> like, you've already pointed out this reference before. So we don't have to talk about him again. It's just funny that we're, we, they talked about him in New Year's Day, episode 11. And it's funny we're hearing about him again. Um, I Is think, it, though? No, not funny like <laughs> I'm going to laugh. Well, no, I was going to say, should we cover how these episodes aired out of order? And it's possible this episode should have been back. <laughs> The, well, the other thing is, is that I think he was probably in the news a lot when LBT was writing. I think we've talked before. She was, she was with this show, and I am assuming in real life it's probably a little bit of a current events junkie. Mm-hmm. Um, the U.S. in in eighty seven retaliated with airstrikes after um, Libyan agents bombed a West Berlin nightclub that killed three people, including a U.S. serviceman. I am guessing this was in the news like crazy at the time. So I think this was just finding its way into her writing for mm-hmm. these kind of like one-liners. Mm-hmm. Uh, so right, that was my last one. That's it. That's it. So that's a wrap. Season one of Designing Women. That's it. Um, and season one of the Sweet TNTV podcast. Um, this has been a lot of fun for us. Yeah. It's been a challenge. Yeah. We've lost sleep. Yes. And tempers. <laughs> Not at each other. Yeah. Just in general. Technology and has probably gotten a brunt of my It's temper. been It's been a real struggle sometimes. Uh, we've lost a lot of free time, but it's been a real passion project, I think, for both of us. There have been times where I think we've had to take a breather and just calm down because technology has been a struggle. We're learning a lot as we go. Um, but in general, thank you to everyone who's listening for following along with every Selena sidebar, Nikki's nibbles, extra sugar. Um, we're actually recording this episode quite a bit before it's actually going to air. So we, Selena and me, are taking a break. We're going to take a couple weeks off. Whoop, whoop. K 
catch our breaths, and then regroup for season two. Um, in the meantime, we're planning to pop back in after this episode airs with a season one in review of some kind. It's still TBD, still up in the air. We think we know what we want to do with it. Um, but we really want to take a look back at everything we've done and learned together over the last 22-ish weeks. Um, it's been a real slow burn, half a year. Um, so if you're listening in real time, we're going to come back next week with something fun. That won't affect you at all. If you're listening after these episodes have already aired, so you're just kind of catching up on everything, just keep a binging. Something fun is going to pop up next. Um, so thank you, Aww. Selena. Thank you. Thank you, audience. Thank you, <laughs> Selena Mama and Aunt Teresa and Tammy and Selena's friends who have been listening. Thank you for listening, for sharing your thoughts and opinions. Um, do you want to say anything, Selena, before we wrap up? Oh, now you tell me you want me to speak. <laughs> you can speak anytime you want. You know that. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I feel like someone who won an Oscar. You can also just say one. thank you because we're going to come back again next week. Well, I do want to say thank you. And um, I, I think you, it, it's true. It's been, it has been exhausting, but in the most wonderful and fabulous way. Um you know, we've been able to be creative. Um, we've been able to, uh, but let's not lie. You and I both love to research stupid stuff. I'm always on Wikipedia, so why not do it for the show? And that's all, that's, that's all I've done. <laughs> <laughs> Morning, noon, and night, I'm just Googling. As Nikki would die to hear me say, my Google hand is very tired. <laughs> Back with the Google hand. Yeah, so that's why I'll be resting it. Um, <laughs> Ooh. So, so thank you, thank you, thank you. Continue to follow along and engage with us. Instagram and Facebook at Sweet Tea and TV. Email sweetteatvpod at gmail.com, www.sweetteatv.com. And I'm going to put in a special plug here. Uh, if you have thoughts for season two, if you have something you really, really loved this season, something you really didn't love so much, send us a quick DM, email us. No promises we're going to listen to you, but we'd love to hear what you have to say. <laughs> We'll, we'll listen to you. I really hope you didn't hate anything. But really, if you did, we want to know. Um, we want to make sure we're not doing something annoying every week. Um, we, we're doing the best we can with audio quality, and it's getting better. Uh, but those things we can't change. What we can change, if, if we're so inclined, is if there is something that's just not really working for you. But So we'd love to hear. If you have cool ideas for season two, let us know. God, if, yes. If you know LBT, if you know Annie Potts, and you want to hear them on this show, you're welcome to connect us. We would love to talk to them. I mean, it would be Annie Potts. Come on. Be a darn dream. Mm -hmm. So that's it. Stick around for extra sugar. What you got this week, Selena? This week, it's going to be a serious one. Um, so it's hard to make light, uh, and we shouldn't, of sexual harassment and assault. And um, we're going to do a little bit of a tie-in with this particular episode, because after all, we are a TV review podcast. Um, so uh, if if you feel so inclined to stick around. We'll see you then, and and one last time, for those in the cheap seats, see you around the bend. Bye. Welcome to this week's Extra Sugar, our final installment for Season 1 of Designing Women. Oh, yep. It's the last one. The final hurrah. Okay. Seriously. <laughs> I, I was don't... trying to think of something. The last dance.
<laughs> the last dance. That's good. Save uh, it for me. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so this one's going to be pretty serious. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's also probably Nikki and I just shaking off some of the tenseness before we jump into I know. It. I feel like that was your uh, get your act together, Nikki, warning. <laughs> well, <laughs> actually, this is another warning for the audience. If for any reason you're just a huge Extra Sugar fan and that's all you tune in for, then I just want everyone to hear that much like the episode itself, we will be discussing sexual harassment and assault. So if for any reason this might be triggering for you, we suggest that you stop here. It's not that we don't want you here, but we were really thinking about you and join us next time. Uh, more than anything, we want to be sensitive to this topic and not assume that this lesson is for everyone. That said, if you're hanging here with us, the very first thing I want to do is share a few quick facts on sexual assault. So, according to CDC, more than one in three women and nearly one in four men experience sexual violence involving physical contact during their lifetime. I am specifically mentioning men because we've talked a lot about women. Right. And too often men are left out of this conversation. Yeah. So, sexual harassment, sexual assault, all of these things happen to people. Right. It is not something that belongs to us. Right. Um, and we don't want it. So, There's easy that. enough. Yeah. Uh, Maybe this is common knowledge, but just in case, roughly 80% of people know their attacker. And while anyone can be sexually assaulted, some groups are more affected. So notably younger people aged 18 to 34, communities of color and communities uh, or the LGBT community. So I also want to remind everyone how embedded sexual violence has historically been in our culture. This like absolutely blew my mind the very first time I heard it, which was when I was in college. And that's the fact that marital rape was not illegal in all 50 states until 1993. Holy moly. Okay. So you didn't know that. No. Okay. So just let that sink in. Even worse, the idea of rape as we think of it today is fairly modern. This is not something that has just always been like this known thing. So not because it didn't exist, not because it wasn't happening, but because it was just a fact of life. Mm-hmm. And now I am talking over the span of history, so mm-hmm. that's a long time. Uh, but at one point in history, it was actually a property crime. So do what you will with that. Oh, my. Mm. Uh, if you have questions along the way, you know, you can ask. Okay. So, um, you know, we could go down a lot of rabbit holes and you and I are really good about that anyway. So I was like really trying to think like, oh, I've got to find a way to focus this. I wound up running across, um, an article that I think we can use to focus the conversation. Um, and we, that way we can talk about things within the context of this episode of designing women. But I just want to pause real quick. And I want to ask you, Nikki, did you feel like this episode's portrayal of sexual harassment and assault was realistic? And then an addendum to that is what do you think worked and what do you think didn't work? Okay. I feel like it was fairly realistic in the way that, um, they positioned how challenging it could be, uh, not in every instance, but it can be for the person who is being sexually assaulted or harassed. Um, it's difficult at the beginning when you're sort of wondering, is that what's really happening here? Mm. Is that a red flag? Was that a boundary he blew past? Or am I imagining it? That kind of self-doubt, I feel like, feels realistic to, to how I've heard that the um, 
that sexual assault and harassment can work. Um, I feel like the difficult challenges that she faced, um, the, the power imbalance, which we talk about a lot. So this was a con a contractor who had the ability to get the business, a lot of business. Uh, so Mary Jo was sort of like, ah, we can't afford to lose this. So I'm going to continue to put myself out there so that we can keep his business and keep him happy. Um, I think that's how a lot of aggressors work. Um, they have something over your head. They have something that holds you on the hook. Yes. I feel like that part of things was realistic. I feel like the the other vantage points that Suzanne and Charlene brought to the table. That's just his way of being social. I feel like that's realistic. I mm -hmm. feel like there is a, if you're not in it, um, there can be a perception that that is normal behavior. That's acceptable behavior. You, you said it in the episode, boys will be boys. I think that's true. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm glad that the end of the episode ended with Mary Jo reclaiming the power the way she did by knocking him out. I don't know that that's super realistic. I don't know if that always can happen for people. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm glad it did because if you're going to show a scenario on TV, let it be the best case scenario and the empowering scenario. So it was a long-winded way of saying, I feel like it was pretty realistic. There were things I would have changed. Um, it just, it's a tall order to put that in a comedy. I get that. But the laugh tracks that were ill-placed, mm. uh, Mary Jo's skirt being ripped wide open and people laughing, um, Charlene making light of it, um, those things felt un unusual to me, mm -hmm. um, and I didn't care for that. Uh, but I think some of the other things played really well. Okay. I just thought some of that general framing will be helpful before we jump into, again, this article that I ran across. And so, and we'll link to this, but it basically discusses like the worst tropes associated with sexual assault portrayals. And so I thought what we could do is discuss whether designing women upheld or overcame a trope. Okay. So I'm going to tell you what the trope is, and then I'm going to ask you overcame or upheld. Okay. All right. So the first one is the trope of no means yes. Right off the bat, this article gives a Gone with the Wind reference, a Southern reference, um, as something where the narrative romanticizes sexual assault. And this refers to female characters resisting a male character's sexual advances only to eventually give in and enthusiastically reciprocate. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Love the way I pronounce that word. Not important. <laughs> Moving on. So thoughts. That, that's the last thing I said when you asked me about the episode. Totally overcame it because she reclaimed her power at the end. She stuck to her guns and said, like, I'm not into you. Mm -hmm. No means no. Not no means yes. Mm -hmm. I should say that a lot of your answer might kind of, <laughs> to my question, it's probably going to feed into some of these tropes. Um, okay. Uh, but I hope in a good way. Actually, as you were describing what you want me to do here, I was like, oh my God, what if everything I said was the thing they say don't do? No, I think some of it is like, we just, you weren't naming the puppy. We're probably going to be naming the puppy now. So Are puppies involved? Um, I really hope not. Poor puppies. All right. So yeah, this absolutely did not happen. So I think um, I, she stood up to him at every turn. She fought back. Um, and I said this in the episode, but again, I think her being like, you are a rapist. Yeah. I closed my eyes when I said that to Nikki. Cause you didn't want to look at me and say it. That is absolutely true. <laughs> so, um, I thought that was so pointed pointing out the thing about like, just because you're good looking doesn't make this okay. Because yeah. I do think there's a lot. I really think that feeds into a lot of this, how someone looks. Mm -hmm. I also think you could have two different people deliver the same message. Mm-hmm. And someone else might take it two separate ways. Oh, that's interesting. So yeah. I, uh, 
this is a very nuanced topic. Mm -hmm. Moving on to number two, rape as a plot device. I'm going to, there's a couple of examples I want to give, but let's start with number one. As a plot device where you take a strong female character and then you take them down a peg or two and you make them show some vulnerability. You mentioned Game of Thrones. Mm -hmm. Wonderful tie in there. I mean, not wonderful, but good that you mentioned it because that would be the example here. Mm Mm-hmm. Jamie's rape of Cersei on Game of Thrones. So this was meant to show her vulnerability. She had been like this really tough character. She doesn't need anybody. You know, she's very strong. And then we just sort of use that as a way to be like, but she's still a woman. Right. So thoughts on that? Upheld, overcame. That's an interesting one because Mary Jo is not a particularly strong character. I actually think her backbone grew in this episode. Um, she tends to be, we learned in Seams of a Marriage, that people perceive her as the the pleaser. Mm-hmm. And she, I was I was floored that she is the, what happened in this episode is not what I expected, which is why I was surprised so many times because I fully was prepared. I didn't expect it, but I was prepared that they might have her give in in some way. They certainly weren't going to have mm-hmm. them have sex on TV. Mm-hmm. But like for her to be vulnerable in a way that she says like, oh my God, this is totally my fault. I have come in here with this button down skirt that makes you think easy access. You know, like I fully expected her to apologize to him. So I think her backbone grew in this episode. So I think it overcame that trope. I totally agree with you. And I think, yeah, absolutely. I think this storyline shows her strength Mm -hmm. Um, because the best we've gotten is in terms of her being, well, okay. I, it's really, strength is such an interesting concept anyway. Mm -hmm. She's obviously already strong in a, in some, a number of ways. I mean, she's raising kids on her own. Um, You know, she's a successful career person. She's, um, you know, it seems like she's dealing with a lot in her life um, at the glimpses that we've gotten. And, you know, so not to say that, but again, this meekness keeps getting this people pleasing aspect, keeps right. getting brought to the surface right. and, um, this insecurity. Mm-hmm. And so I think that this storyline really brought out something different in yeah, her. And sure. she also tells JD straight up, she doesn't need his saving. We've talked about that, but mm-hmm. it feels very relative to this point right here. Um, you know, even before the last really kicker scene, um, you know, she doesn't give in to JD's ultimatum. Yeah. She's, um, you know, not going to give up her money, her job. You know, this is something that she feels like she needs to do. And then she kicks Hence's butt. Yeah. I do agree with what you're saying. We don't know that's always the case. Also, she's a very tiny lady. Yeah. So, I mean, there is some physicality to it. I mean, he straight up picked her up. Yeah, like a sack of potatoes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, The other plot device I wanted to mention, even though this article specifically didn't speak to it, but is this idea of using um, attacks on girlfriends, wives, or daughters as like a way to motivate the male protagonist. So I'll give you an example. Have you ever seen Con Air? Ah, crap. Okay. <laughs> so the whole thing starts off with this idea that he goes to jail, Nicholas Cage. He's a good guy. He's That's what you need to know. He's a good guy. They needed a reason for him to wind up with all of these convicts right. in jail. Okay. Mm-hmm. And... And so at the very beginning of the movie, his wife is getting harassed by men in a parking lot and they go to do something to her of a sexual assault nature. Mm -hmm. And he is a very trained professional, 
like military person. Mm -hmm. And not only does he get them, he accidentally kills the guy and they send him to jail for that. So that whole thing about a potential attack on his wife sets off this chain of events for the entire movie. Okay. And that's what I mean by that. Like you need, like you need this horrible thing to happen to get, this may to basically start a man's plot. And then we focus on the man for the rest of the time. Okay. So that's this other trope. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that in mind, overcome that trope in this one mm-hmm. or succumb. I, I changed my words, but you know what I mean? I, yeah. I think it overcame it because it had nothing to do with, uh, we talk about JD a little bit and his, where he sits in all this and what his, what his baggage is with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't about him. Mm-hmm. It was about her. Um, so I think it overcame it. Yeah, I agree. I think um, I think LBT really flips the script mm-hmm. because he keeps trying to save her. Right. And she keeps saying, I don't need you to save me. Right. She literally says it, then she literally does it. Right. He feels the need to knock him out again, but he didn't need to. Yeah. I mean, that's fine. And I, the guy deserved to get punched. I'd like to have punched him. So yeah. I'm not saying that, you know, it wasn't well landed right it's just that it what it wasn't ever about him yeah it was about mary joe right which i think is really important um i said this again in the episode but this just really is a stick point for me she needed support not saving yeah i think that was my annoyance with jd most of the time yeah you know he wanted to put on a cape he didn't want to just hold her I, and I think that gets it again, concept of toxic max, masculinity. It is a buzzword now. Mm-hmm. We didn't know what to call it back then, Mm-mm. but that's the idea right. is just because you're a man doesn't mean that you have to save a woman. I think we called it primetime TV. Right. Right. <laughs> um, last trope. Okay. The victim who falls for their rapist. You know, uh, Orange is the New Black. I think you watched a little bit and you had yeah. to check out. It wasn't out. for me. Yeah. But he, um, it's, it's a little bit of a rough watch. Yeah. Um, so there's a few different examples of this prison guard inmate relationship kind of deal. And, and so we're like, initially something starts out and it's not appropriate, but then it turns into a relationship or whatever the case is. And, and so, um, this is something that has commonly happened in different television programs. They mentioned a soap opera. Um, I think this one's a little bit clearer. So in the soap opera, this is in the eighties. Um, I think it's in the eighties. Anyways, he, a man rapes a woman and then eventually they get married on the show. There's a long story behind it. Sure. Mm -hmm. Probably lasted about 10 years, but you see, that's a very nail on the head. Right. Okay. So overcome, overcame. What? (laughs) <laughs> overcome succumb thank you i'm just saying words now <laughs> overcome overcome <laughs> overcome uh she definitely you pointed it out in the episode itself where you said that she said just because you look like robert redford doesn't mean you know i'm into you or whatever doesn't mean you can do this D- yeah no she didn't give in to him in any way she didn't find her i think she was just con- increasingly repulsed by him honestly mm-hmm. um and it wasn't so uh it wasn't like the more that he did this, the more weirdly attracted she was. And, and not weirdly, that sounds judgmental. The more attracted she found herself to him. Um, mm-hmm. It wasn't like that at all. She she was increasingly repulsed by him. You know what I think? I think some of that has to do with, uh, he's a little bit of a Ted, her ex-husband. Oh, really? Well, what I mean by that is like um, he, uh, the, the a frequency of women. 
oh. an amount. Mm-hmm. So I think that probably is still a That's trigger a for her. That's a good point. And so she, because it, to this point, like we're just at the chest pointing and right. the, is he brushing up against, am I, is this in my head? Yeah. You know, he's making her feel crazy is what it is, which is messed up on its own. Okay. Well, and one thing to add there, which I'm not sure it's, it's well placed here, but one thing that struck me that I probably should have mentioned in the episode is an insecurity of hers where she says, he's got all these other women. Why would he bother me? Yes. And I think that is something that plays into how, how you perceive a sexual advance. You're lucky you're not misplaced. I would have just told you to hit the door. I know. You just kicked me out. <laughs> Slam my computer shut. Get out. No, I think that's a great point. Um, and and it's, it's really sad, yeah. honestly. Um, okay, so that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. That means it overcame these three really big tropes, at least from our opinion. There might three be someone out there who is like, you guys are crazy. Yeah. This and this and this and this. And they're entitled to their opinion. They're wrong, but they're entitled to their opinion. <laughs> you heard it from Just Nikki, kidding. not from me. I Just don't know kidding. what to tell you. Um, so I wanted to mention one other upside because, you know, I did, I did a lot of different research into um, – you know, this portrayal on TV and the history of it and everything. And, um, something that I think is being corrected now, but I actually think is another upside in this issue is it's centered on Mary Jo, Mm -hmm. at least in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Um, it wasn't centered on hints. Um, so we had that, uh, focus on the survivor and, you know, we see Mary Jo's side of things. Uh, we talked about this in the episode, so I feel like I just said it. But again, I want to reiterate. We see her break the news to her coworkers mm-hmm. and her friends. We see her go through what she does with JD in the middle of the episode. And even that final scene is really from her vantage point, you mm-hmm. know. Um, I, because I think we, I, I feel her emotions in that. Yes. I don't feel anything from him. No, not at all. We talked a lot about how it ping-pongs around. Everything happens so fast, and I think that's what happens. It happens so fast. And what, yeah, one thing I didn't mention in the episode is she does some really good where I see her wheels turning. Mm-hmm. Uh, as soon as he starts, when she realizes she's not getting out that door without a fight, mm-hmm. she is making an exit strategy. Right. Um, so I think it probably doesn't hurt that this was written by a woman. Yeah. You know, because yeah. again, not to say that men don't go through a thing, but to say that if we are talking about a woman's, a woman's story perspective. written by a woman, mm-hmm, right. it feels really, really helpful in this case. It is not perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we talked about this in the episode too. I think this is a flaw of a lot of sitcoms, I think this is a flaw of a 22-minute anything, mm-hmm. is that we don't discuss the aftermath. Right. The, it, unless they do, which we don't think they will. Right. I think they're going to move on. Come back. <laughs> we'll see. Um, but yeah, I think we've probably fallen into that common trap of tying everything up in a neat 22-minute package. Um, but, you know, the reality is that many survivors face long-term effects. Well, can I also add that she wasn't actually raped. And I think sometimes there is a perception that if it's not rape, then you're not impacted. Like right. you didn't ha- you didn't experience the f- like that physical aspect of things. But there's a per- there's a perception that if it's not rape, it's not that serious. I think that perception mm-hmm. is changing, mm-hmm. but sexual assault and sexual harassment can can have mental effects. Mm-hmm. It can, you know, make you insecure around certain people it can make you feel like 
you have to approach certain situations so carefully and strategically and know your exit strategy when you're in a room. I'm only going to speak from a, a female perspective, but when you're in a room with a man alone, you're making sure you know where the exit is. You're making sure you know where those boundaries are. Um, and it doesn't have to be rape for there to be long-standing effects. And we had an off mic conversation about this because yeah. this is something I don't where I think it's there's a there is a difference in my experience and from my perspective between being a man and a woman and that is as a woman my whole life I feel like it has been instilled in me either by my mother or by society at large you could get raped at any time at any time uh, you know and I know that there's going to be someone who there's going to be two reactions to that statement yeah Oh my God, are you kidding me? And yep, absolutely. Right. And probably nothing in between. Yeah. And so that is just like, you just, what you're saying, you walk into a room, you're sizing the room up. I feel like men do that too, but it's like for a they're different reason. for a fight mm -hmm. or to make sure they're protecting themselves and, and everybody else for some reason. But for women, it's like, you know, I don't want to be the victim today. Today is not that day. Right. I just want to drink a coffee right? and maybe flip through a magazine on my phone. Yep. So I just think that is a different experience and something worth mentioning. To the point about the landscape of then and now, I do think that we are getting these more nuanced portrayals. So I've got an article that we'll link to as well that talks to some of these shows. I've seen some of these shows. I do agree. I think they are talking about the aftermath. I think they are talking about the mental health issues. I think they are talking about the anguish. Mm -hmm. And it looks different on everyone mm -hmm. uh, because we're all different. Um, so I think that's really important. And there was a, I, I had the quote in here and I took it out, but there was a showrunner and she basically said like, don't do it to be gratuitous. Right. But sometimes it can be a really powerful tool to show rape. And so if you have, that's not how she put it, but, right. or sexual assault or what, however you want to classify. Um, but like if it is, if, if it's reasonable and if there's a powerful purpose behind it, then it might be worth it. And in this case, I think there was a really powerful purpose behind it. So I do think it was worth it. Mm. I don't think it was gratuitous. No. So I do think it actually might be a place where a sitcom serves because yes. it's not supposed to be gritty. Right. This isn't HBO. It's not Showtime. It's CBS. Yeah. So uh, I don't think we can have this conversation without at least mentioning the Me Too movement. Mm -hmm. Let me say a couple of things. Uh, we have talked about it before on this podcast, but I don't want to assume that everyone knows what it is. Me Too is a movement of survivors and their supporters that uh, is determined to end sexual violence and harassment. Uh, stuff gets politicized. But we're not really talking about that today. We're just saying, like, the purpose is to end these things that we saw in this show, you know, um, and that we talked about today. Um, I also just want to say that while most Americans first heard about it in 2017, it's really something that was started a decade earlier by a, a grassroots activist, uh, Tarana Burke, who was helping young women talk about sexual assault. I believe it's because she had been assaulted as well. She just wanted to make sure that these 
women and girls were experiencing the empathy that they needed. Mm-hmm. Um, and while Me Too ripped through Hollywood, this is not a Hollywood problem. It's an everywhere problem. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a really good Vox article. We'll link to that too. It breaks down some of the good changes that have come about due to Me Too. This is protections for workers, not letting people hide their behaviors behind non-disclosure agreements. Oh, uh-huh. You know, this turd is someone who probably had an assistant with a non-disclosure agreement, some sort of Harvey Weinstein situation. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't shock me in the least. Um, but here's perhaps one of the most important changes the article refers to. It mentions again, and we've talked about it several times, so I'm not going to, even within the course of this episode, so I'm not going to go too far of it or into it, but it, it, it's that it shifted the way Americans think about power. Mm. It opened our eyes, mm-hmm. you know, or some people's eyes. Um, and, and we've talked about the, those power imbalances today. So again, just going to leave that there. It also just made us start talking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, openly, because you have to drag these things into a light. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't drag it into the light, it's like a virus. Mm-hmm. And it just keeps growing. Mm-hmm. And it gets worse. So I just wanted to say that I think those are some really important things that have come about in recent years. And just to remind, um, I don't know, myself, whoever needs the reminding, that this is not something that's gone away. Mm-hmm. It is here today. Mm-hmm. Um, but hopefully we'll continue to find some changes. Um, I've got some wrap up thoughts, but I just wanted to pause for a minute, not trying to put you on the spot, but is there anything that you wanted to ask me or anything that is, uh, percolating for you? A lot, but no, I think the way you approach this segment was so helpful. And I think sometimes we tell ourselves as we're doing this podcast, like, I know we're, we're overthinking this. It's just a comedy. It's just a few minutes. Um, but the way that you position that and it's making me look at these situations in a different way in entertainment. We acknowledge that, and this is why we dig in so deep, because entertainment has such an immeasurable impact on culture and on society. It may take time. This was a show that aired in 1987. You said the Me Too movement started in 2007 in its grassroots form. Mm -hmm. I know that there was feminism. I know these conversations were happening before that, but other no than no right mm-hmm. right so but other than terrifying us and making us afraid of rape and then telling us at the same time but don't talk about it if it happens to you don't tell people about it that's tacky um it, it's been this slow incremental um movement mm-hmm. and so i think you're making me look at television shows and movies and things i've seen um lifetime movies i've seen about rape oh, in boy. a totally different way and i think looking at the way they positioned it and seeing did they did they take the easy way out or did they do what LBT did here and flip the script and make it something that hadn't really maybe hadn't really been done in a way so mm-hmm. thank you for that i think that was really helpful well yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> of course Oh, okay. Because all that I'm, I'm sputtering now. Um, I don't take compliments well. So <laughs> she's like blushing too. I'm like, uh, uh. Um, that's a really good um, segue because the other thing I wanted to say is, you know, it's been a little disappointing for us, unfortunately, because um, this show that in in its own time was a progressive show, it's accumulated a little dust. Mm-hmm. That is not a hit on designing women. That's called the passage of time. Right. Um, so, you know, while this may have not been perfect and, and maybe it was a strange finale for a sitcom, my parting thought is that it's heartening to see 
the season wrap was something that feels like it stood the test of time. Mm. So from that vantage point, and again, like what we came in this to do, to look at things and to say, how does this shake out in 2021? Mm -hmm. That feels like a pretty good foot to step out the door with yeah. Um, as we go take our well-needed breaks so we can mow our lawns and do our dishes. And <laughs> Brush our teeth. It's going to be a great time. <laughs> um, so, you know, um, because it's been so long since this aired, I, I think the show, this shows how radically ahead of its time it really was. Yeah. So thank you, LBT, mm-hmm. for, yeah, um, for being able to be, so ahead of your time. And I have a sneaking suspicion this helped some people back mm-hmm. in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have one more thing and then we're going to cut it. If you or someone you know has been affected by sexual violence, it is not your fault. You are not alone and help is available 24-7 through the National Sexual Assault Hotline at one 800 656-HOPE, that's 4673. You can also find this resource at online.rain.n. Both of those N's are in, in November.org. And thank you for joining us for our final segment of season one for Extra Sugar. <laughs>